Today's episode of the Hot 4 podcast is sponsored by TEP Machinery Movement. TEP Machinery's fleet of lifting equipment, forklifts and vehicles, coupled with their highly experienced team and extensive knowledge gained over 40 years, means they can support you with all your equipment installation, removal and movement requirements, as well as providing support for your ongoing maintenance and repair access needs. Ensure your equipment is placed in the right location first time, every time. Give TEP Machinery Movement a call today on 01937 558 203. That's 01937 558 203. This is Nick Law and you're listening to the Hot Forward Podcast. Getting you ahead in the brewing and beer business. Hotforward.beer is a podcast and website dedicated to the beer industry, supporting budding beer entrepreneurs by gaining insights from experienced brewers and folk within the craft beer industry. So grab a glass, pour yourself a beer, and let's get into this week's episode. Hello, beer nerds, and welcome to another serving of the Hop forward podcast the pub two humble little words in the english dictionary that conjure up memories of friends near and far steadfast and forgotten a phrase that is every bit as warm and inviting as you last remembered it even if that last experience wasn't necessarily a good one a soundtrack to accompany every moment ranging from staring into space through a window after a humdrum day at work to the intense emotions of happiness on a crisp summer's evening to celebrate a special occasion, the victory of a football team, or just because. Pubs and taverns find their roots as far back as Roman Britain and alehouses became a place for the locals to congregate, gossip and offer help to those in need within the community as far back as Anglo-Saxon times. But it was only really by the late 17th century that the term public house first appeared and was used to differentiate itself from an alehouse, which was literally someone's house that was open for people to gather in. Throughout the centuries, alehouses, inns, taverns and public houses have been the bread and butter of British life, the heart and soul of its communities and the arena to share life's many anxieties and quirks over a pint. Imagine... To everyone's dismay, at 5pm on Friday the 20th of March 2020, when the Prime Minister stood at his podium fronted with the slogan Save the NHS and announced that pubs were to shut at the close of play for the first time in history. I think for many, even listening to this podcast, had we have known that pubs would still remain shut well into June, we may have savoured our last experience of normality a little more than perhaps we did. For me, it was sitting in Sheffield's The Crow Inn, a relatively new pub owned by the team behind the revered Rutland Arms, nursing a pint of Midnight on Temple Street, a thick, velvety stout from Wylam, on a Friday afternoon on the run-up to BRX. I distinctly remember the feeling of elation that accompanied that pint as I finished off a job on a brochure I was planning on taking to the trade show to drum up some business. Could life get any better? Now I stare out my window at the same terrace houses I've been looking at for the past 12 weeks, dreaming of the pub. 
missing the the varying aromas that waft towards you like a thick pungent curtain of air as you cross the threshold remembering with fondness the the brewery memorabilia or the rather quirky taxidermy adorning the walls of my local in true Joni Mitchell don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you got till it's gone style I rather affectionately miss the students who I would sit and scorn from my pokey hole with my book that would noisily pack themselves into the Hallamshire house and bang on about Jaipur as if they'd been drinking it all their life, thinking I was drinking Jaipur when some of you were in nappies. Needless to say, although the pub, as a staple institution of society, has survived multiple wars, various plagues, economic downturns and the temperance movement, what pubs and drinking establishments will look like several decades from now may be unrecognisable, even to modern eyes. As restrictions are eased and our world tries to pick up the pieces shattered by COVID-19, our pubs and other hospitality venues are unlikely to resemble any sense of normality for some time. So what's in store for pubs? What considerations and accommodations will we have to make for our favourite pastime and social space? I recently spoke with journalist and beer writer Adrian Tierney-Jones on his reflections as to what pubs may look like going forward and how the industry is likely to fare as a result of COVID-19 and moving into this next phase of life. It's fair to say that COVID-19 has totally thwarted the best laid plans of mice and men for pubs, breweries and tap rooms across the world. But it's not stopping one UK brewery from championing independent beer, as we find out in this week's... Norfolk's Duration Brewing is calling on drinkers to raise a chorus for independent beer with the launch of Quiet Song, its new 4.3% classic wit. Quiet Song joins a diverse repertoire of beers, including an American Pale, a West Coast IPA, a Bavarian Pilsner and a Continental Pale in the burgeoning portfolio of the modern farmhouse brewery. Duration is inviting independent venues to join in the launch of the beer on July the 4th by using their taps for takeout beers and by creating their own Duration and Friends offering across can and draft. Participating venues will be able to share access with their customers to a founder-led Meet the Brewer virtual tour and first pour tasting event. Brewery founder Miranda Hudson says being unable to do the usual tap takeover or meet the brewer type launch for Quiet Song, we've had to seek a new way to support local, raise a chorus for independent beer and sing together in harmony. The rollout for Quiet Song has been orchestrated on Independence Day with our closest trade customers. Some venues are gracefully planning their safe return, while others have already transformed their businesses to delivery only, but are ready to open as a low traffic or takeout venue. With July the 4th marking the date we were due to host our brewery launch party, we've decided virtually to throw open the doors, giving drinkers the chance to see our farmhouse home, learn about our process and taste our range of fresh everyday beers. I believe the UK is ready for a new way with some original, more traditional haze. Quiet Song is a wit to challenge the norm, a simple beer with subtle complexity to it. We'd love for it to become the go-to style in the UK, much like Allagash White is in the US. 
So to join in the launch party events, simply pick up some beers and email info at durationbeer.com for access. The event will use the hashtags uh, Quiet Song and Here for Indie Beer. If you order direct from the brewery web shop, all trade and hospitality workers are invited to use Trade 10, that's all in capitals, for an industry discount at shop.durationbeer. That's shop.durationbeer using the discount Trade 10. And press and industry are welcome to attend the virtual tour and tasting. That's 1.30 to 3 p.m. on Saturday, the 4th of July. I'm going to aim to be there myself. Or request tickets to the BYOB virtual industry party with Hops, Burns and Black later that evening. That's 7 till 9 p.m. on the same day, Saturday, the 4th of July. Uh, Duration very kindly sent me a, uh, a quiet song. I'm not sure whether I'm supposed to open this now or not, but I'm, I'm going to go for it. Um, so I'm going to do a little bit of a, a live tasting live, so to speak. So um, here we go. Okay, I'm going to let you know what this is like. Oh, it smells great already. This is the first duration beer I've had. Um, I hate to say. Keep seeing um, the little Instagrams with turtles all the way down and um, the little animations thinking I must get hold of some. So um, this is just smelling fantastic coming out of this can. Oh man, that, that is super refreshing. It says on the back of the can, there are just 12 notes between any octave, then the octave repeats. All any artist can offer this world is how they see those 12 notes. That's it. Having something to say and a way to say it so that people listen is why we are here. Kind of zesty, slightly coriander feel to it. Really nice mouthfeel, which I put down to the dextrin that says on the back of this can. That's lovely. So um, make sure you, you, you get that. I'm going to have to try their other beers now. Um, so yeah, massive thanks to Duration for sending that out. Um, if you're part of the trade, which most people who listen to this podcast are, email uh, Miranda at info at durationbeer.com and they will give you access to the virtual brewery tour and first pour of this beer and make sure you go and buy some. While you're doing that, make sure you follow us on all the social channels at Hop Forward Beers. Join our Facebook group by searching Hot Forward, getting you ahead in the brewing and beer business where you can meet some other like-minded individuals and listen to the show to talk about everything from running a brewery to your favourite beers and all the rest of it. And visit our website, which is hotforward.beer, where you'll find more podcasts like this one, where you'll find a range of creative services such as branding, marketing and business development aimed at brewers, bars, bottle shops and suppliers to the beer industry. So with all that being said, I'm going to finish this cracking duration beer while you crack open a cool one and listen to this week's discussion with Adrian Tierney Jones and myself on the future of the British pub in this coronavirus era. Today on the Hot Four podcast, I'm joined by journalist Adrian Tierney Jones. Hello. Hello. Sorry, I was just having a glass, of drink of water. I nearly went everywhere. Drink of, drink of water. You mean, you mean a beer, right? Well, it's a bit early in the morning. <laughs> a bit early in the morning for festivity. So yeah, how's it, how's it going? What have you been up yeah. to? Um, all right. I'm I'm 
pretty good actually. Um, been really busy working on a because you know as a journalist I also do editing as well. So I've been working on a proofreading editing um, book job uh, for a, you know on on TV shows actually because I used to be oh, okay. freelance work for um, I used to write films for TV Quick magazine. I don't know if you ever heard of it, the listings magazine. Mm. And um, so yeah, I, I've you know I used to write film reviews as well. So I've got quite good knowledge of that. I'd like to think. Uh, so yeah, I mean, in fact, the last three weeks, I don't think I've taken a day off. Um, I'm, I'm, my eyes are sore, and I just finished the major checking and proofreading last night, and yeah, and also had a, I had a feature commission in, in the middle of of last weekend from the Telegraph, the Daily Telegraph as well. So yeah, I mean, I've, I've been work's been pretty good to be honest, um, and when I've not got you know paid work on, I've kept myself busy with my blog and mm. um, just research. I've seen this period as a really good time to reset myself, to yeah. work out what I want to do. I probably don't know still, but, um, <laughs> you know, do I'm missing pubs, obviously, but I'm really missing going to the go have a bloody haircut, I must admit. <laughs> um, not that I've got lots of it, but I do like it. I do like it styled. Um, You've got um, significantly more than I have. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, it's a good wig I've got. But, um, and I do miss the gym. I really can't wait. I mean, I've been doing yoga every day um, just to keep myself fit. And I'm, I've dragged my old bicycle out, which I, I need to get a new one. But I really miss the sea because, you know, I'm, I'm not that far from it here in Exeter. Um, but I do miss pubs, um, especially in this weather. There'd be nothing... Nothing better than sitting outside. Well, one of my favourite pubs, the Top, uh, the the Bridge Inn in Topsham, sitting outside overlooking um, reed beds and a small river meandering its way along to the ex estuary, um, with a, 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 a you know a good old pint of I don't know something strong and dark. Yeah, so I'm Oof, that. Sounds good. See, I'd noticed in the um, the Times you'd written something about um, pubs and beer gardens recently. I, I tried looking at it, but um, you, you've got to pay for the subscription. I've seen much of a skin print for that. <laughs> no, no, no. Gosh, I mean, I, I'm not. I mean, you know, I, I like. I, I'm reluctant to do paywalls. I do do the Telegraph one because it's. I write for them, and mm. I like to see. You know, you even even people who write for them don't get a free pass onto the paywall, and. Um, you know, I I need to see my work, and I also like to see the comments to see what people have been slagging me off about. Um, but mm. that piece, that piece about the, um, it was basically the the commission was twenty pubs with large beer gardens. I mean, you know, you can have a small beer garden, but ones where you can do because it does seem as the immediate future. I mean, it does seem as I don't know. But it does seem as if pubs might hopefully open in some way or other in July. Um, but it does seem the ones with large beer gardens where social distancing drinking can take, take place will be the ones that will be really in a good place. And so that was mm. brief, really. And it was it was just for England. I noticed some comments were saying, oh, where's Scotland? Where's Wales? Um, I was told just to do England uh, because obviously you know, the four nations now have all got their different policies um, for, you know, re, re, um, lessening the, the lockdown. So and I did, I was embarrassed to say, I put one of the pubs at Ypres Castle, I put 
in Rye, I put it in Kent. I mean, I don't really know the home counties that well, so I just thought, well, it's down there below London, isn't it? But it's actually East Sussex, as someone pointed out to me. But it was good. It was. I tell you what, writing it, I had to, you know, it was a very quick commission. And so in between this editorial work I was on about, um, I did, when I'd finished it, I thought, God, I miss pubs. You know, the thing is, you're looking, you know, you're looking at your notes from pubs you visited. You know, they're all quite short entries. So you're looking at websites, you're looking at photographs and you're thinking, oh, I, I just, it's, again, going back to this weather, so miss, you know, just sitting there. I'm watching the world go by uh, with a, yeah. you know, a pint or a glass. Of beer, yeah. You know. So um, today I wanted to talk about the, the future of uh, pubs. But before we do, firstly, it's been no big shock that um, the British pub has been struggling for a while. Mm. So just so we're all up to speed, can you give us a bit of an overview as to why, generally speaking, pubs have either fallen on hard times or why they were closing altogether? Yeah, gosh, you've asked a question which I need... I mean, if you look back, I haven't got figures to hand or anything, but, you know, you have to go back maybe to before the First World War um, and or even before the Second World War, where pubs were part of people's, especially in working class areas, people's lives in the same way Mm. in other areas the church was. Um, They were places where people gathered. They were places where you met your neighbours. All right, it was mainly blokes that went to them though women also did um you know there was they were and there were also entertainment um and and part of the in the last hundred or so years the 20th century part of the i would i mean there's part of the reason why the pub has declined is there have been other entertainments come along you know you think back to the early part of the 20th century football you know very mm sports developed so people could congrat they've got something to do there um you know that you've got you had um sort of club you know men's oh god I don't know what they call them people used to sort of save money and then they go on a day trip and stuff like that and then of course from the 20s onwards you've got cinema coming along you've got bingo you've got um the radio in the house so basically you could have your own entertainment in the radio and then after the second world war um when you know quite a few pubs, especially in London, where never opened again because they were either bombed or you know they just ran a bit like now. They, the you know beer was in shortage during the Second World War. I mean, it's still you know Churchill was very keen on keeping brewing going through the Second World War, and the beer mm. really dropped in strength. But um, mainly, you know, but I'd say. Another reason after the Second World War is the development. There's more cinema, but then the development of television. And then people start going on foreign holidays. And now, you know, you think about, you can, you don't have, well, as people have shown, you don't have to leave the house and you've got entertainment on tap. You know, you've got your computer games. You've got, you know, God, last night I was on um, Now TV. You know, I've got access to Netflix as well. I'm thinking, yeah. what do I want to watch? You know, and I was able to watch Gangs of London, a bit of that, and then some Swedish-Danish um, thriller. And, you know, I don't have to go anywhere. I've got some. I've got several cans of beer in from you know a craft beer from Tesco. Um, so some people would say, well, why would I want to go out? Um, and then obviously there's the financial pressures on pubs. Uh, there's the price of beer, which you know it's not something I can go too deeply into. But um, you know, you you drink in Germany, you drink in the Czech Republic, especially, and it is much cheaper in the pub. Um, mm. 
but that's you know we we're beer's always been or alcohol has always been seen as a as something for the taxman to take uh you know to tax um yeah and then so basically uh well you could also talk about the role of the pub companies or some pub companies not all pub companies uh, but again that is a specialist subject but you do i do wonder about some of the ways in which um some pub companies um well as someone said to me this is not me saying it that some pub companies are basically um com- um property companies uh, they own these pubs and basically they just want to get maximum out of them but again allegedly um there's a variety of reasons we've all changed our social habits um mm. You know, and you say there's a price of beer. And if you're not really worried about um, hanging out with, you know, if if you're quite happy to talk to your friends on Zoom or, um, you know, email them or whatever, you know, why would you, and you can get some really great beer in at a fraction of the price, why would you want to go into a pub where, especially with cask beer, um, you might not be sure that the quality of the beer is um going to be up to standard because i think that is one of the i don't know if that's has a role in the decline of pubs but um i think i find in that i found in the last couple of years it's a lottery the quality of caspia yeah. i mean mm. you know i like caspia i mean I drink, I drink all sorts of beer you know my favorite drinking experiences if i'm going to be honest are in central europe i mean i i, I really love drinking in bohemia and and bavaria especially in like small sort of brew pubs or brew you know bars in in towns with a brewery at the back i really you know i i really love drinking in them but um i like drinking everywhere you know i've joined bars on the west coast of america or in you know a brew pub in the andes um i suppose i just like i like pubs and everything um mm. but yeah the quality of caspia has been a real for me has become a real lottery uh, and I do, I do like it, and it's a real shame. Uh, but we have yeah. a choice of beers out there now. I mean, like my local um, bar in Exeter, um, Pursuit of Hoppiness, has four cask and five, you know, what we used to call craft keg, you know, from the likes of our local breweries like Topsham and and, and Powder Keg and 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 Stannery and people like Cloudwater and Northern Monk and you know all the stars of craft beer. Um, and yeah, I will have cask beer there because i know they they look after it but again you know i think that's become a a lottery but you know going back to your question a sort of background to the decline of pubs i think there are you know if you were looking at bullet bullet points you'd be looking at social changes possibly cost um uh, other sort of entertainments available and maybe people are cocooning more as well there's a there's another sort of buzzword isn't there um you know that idea that you 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 you're just in your cocoon now but on the other hand Mm. you know i do feel that the pub um in its most um elemental um elemental i'm thinking in its most essential sort of role it offers something so unique um for a start you you know providing the beers all right you can drink caspia there which you can't drink at home um you can meet friends there you can you can get away from home i've worked in pub you know i i I sometimes take my laptop i'm traveling i'll work in a pub i file copy from pubs because 
you're not going to get up and think, oh, I need a cup of tea or I, I oh, that, that floor needs washing or, you know, you're, you're in a public house, you're not at home. And, you know, I work from home. And yeah, the, the the temptation sometimes, unless you're on a horrible deadline, is sort of like, oh, I'll wander downstairs and yeah, and that that I'll go out in the garden or something like that. Yeah, or take the kind of distraction. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think I think you know those are the four. They, you know, I'm sure there are other reasons as well, but I mean, top of my head, that's what I was, I was thinking about. Those four bullet points I've just said. Yeah. So talk me through your own personal reaction when Boris Johnson announced that people should avoid the pub, but, you know, but pubs were still open. And then how you felt once pubs were ordered to close? Oh, gosh. Well, I, do you know what? I knew it was coming. We all knew it was coming. And mm. it was almost like um, when, I mean, I think the last time I went to a pub was on March the 16th <laughs> don't ask me how i know that date um and that was when they'd said that people had, should avoid the pub if necessary um what did i think about it i don't know i was neutral in a sense um i'm i'm not i don't get i'm not a great campaigner or a angry type um i know some people were saying he should have just said right they're closed now and then um, there was this stuff about the insurance and everything. Um, but I thought, I went to this pub, um, well, I have to say, my last pub I went into, and I won't be going into them again, was a Weatherspoons. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, well, I won't be, I, I mean, after, you know, the uh, all the stories surrounding Tim Martin and everything, who actually lives around here, I've seen him around, Um and as someone once, I overheard someone in a pub once say, "Yeah, that bloke who set up Weatherspoons, his hair's like an, his hair's like an unemployed violinist," um, <laughs> um, which I used in a pub review somewhere. But um, no, I went in there, and it was, and it was, it was the only place where you know you'll get decent cast beer, and they had Old Peculiar on, and I thought, oh, I haven't had this for years, so I had a couple of pints. But I looked around, and I thought, this is so empty. Normally on a Monday afternoon. It'll be full of <laughs> mm. And there were some students came in. I presume they were students. I'm presuming a lot there. But what looked like students came in. And I thought, no one's bothering about social distancing here. And I thought, I think that's it. I won't be going in now. Uh, I'll stop. And when they announced their closure, it was almost like, finally, you know, um, I, you know, because I, I got, you know, I, I studied um a lot of his I, I studied history at college and I did European and history which involves a lot of battles and wars in the 19th and 20th century and I always think I thought when he announced the closure of the pubs that pubs closed I was reminded of what people said when France surrendered in 1940 to the Nazis and Britain you know that whole sort of oh right we're on our own now people were going around saying mm. oh, we're in the final now thank god for that um you know it was almost like we got no more ally allies to pamper we're on our own now and it felt like it felt something like that i thought oh right i know where i stand now i can't go into them you know yeah because i was very tempted several days after i'd gone uh, before they announced the closure i was out, out down on the quay and i was really tempted to go down to topsham brewery's tap and i thought you know what it's I've got I can't I can't you know um it was that it was such a weird feeling because 
you know, I hardly went out then once they'd closed. I mean, I went I, going out to the supermarket to get food was like a, you know, cover me. I'm I'm going in. So sort of <laughs> yeah, um, I'm a bit more blase now. I still got I've got a mask, um, which um, you know, and I've I'm to be honest, I, you know, I, I, yeah, I've been to you know the queue. It does seem to be settling down a bit. You get used to it. I've been using the local butchers, and you know, sort of like local beer shop chris he's been delivering beer and everything and i'll be buying you know some obviously from supermarkets but yeah i i you know i i just you knew it was coming and uh, because you'd seen what happened uh-huh. elsewhere and so yeah, yeah it was those first few days were strange very strange um you know uh, uh yeah they were very strange i've you get into a routine and i'm i'm you know i am desperate to travel i'm not you know i'm not going to be locking myself down um and and i do feel statistically yeah i'm not going to go around i mean i want to keep my distance from people and wear a mask when i go out but you know the, the chance it's a bit like crossing the road and you know getting knocked down or or, or catching normal flu you know i'm going to have to you know i'm, I'm just going to go out there and you know take yeah take me Take, but there is that feeling of, yeah, it might happen to me. It might not. I don't know. I mean, I had really bad flu about three years ago, first time in years, and God, that knocked me out. Um, maybe I had COVID. Maybe I had an early one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so yeah, I'm I, I'm level now, very level. A lot of, as I say, a lot mm. of yoga, a lot of meditation, and um, work, and just you know, just getting on with it. Yeah. So why do you think? pubs and hospitality have been hit especially hard by all this and do you think that they've received adequate or inadequate support from the government oh gosh you're right. I, well they've obviously been hit hard because they've got no customers um yeah and you do read about some some pubs which you know their their pub companies have asked them to continue paying rent and which i think is just appalling and well that, that leads me on to my next question but yeah, yeah. i mean you can go, go, go for it um, but you know, I was in I was I was in Adnams in February, uh, doing a research. You know, did a big piece for Good Beer Hunting, which is online, and and I, I, I I'm so pleased to know that they immediately they closed their, when they closed their pubs, their their um, licensees were their their rents were were deferred and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but I'm not going to name names. But uh, I just don't understand how I saw a tweet somewhere from. Uh, a licensee saying that they had a bill they needed to pay oh i don't know rent of something like forty thousand, you know a lot of money and i'm not getting mm. money in and i remember thinking well how on earth do these people who own and, and and rent these pubs out think where do they think the people are going to get the money from i mean you know um as for the support i don't know enough i'll be honest about that um i know i don't know if people have you know i think uh, like i think i was talking to one, a friend of mine Mark Dauber, who runs the Anchor in Wolberswick and also the Swan in Stratford, not Stratford-on-Avon, Stratford-St. Mary, in both of them in Suffolk. Uh, Mark used to run the White Horse in um, Parsons Green, the so-called Sloney Pony, for years. Mm. He made a name there. Um, But I think he he did, I said in the, I emailed him in the early days, how are you getting on, you know, and he was like saying that he was keeping, you know, they they were doing food for the locals and beer and stuff you know takeouts and all that but he was saying i'm trying to you know keep my staff 
underpaid. So I don't know whether he got a furlough for that and all that. Yeah, I, I don't know about the package. I'll be honest. I'm, you know, this is the sort of area about pubs I don't tend to go into because I got thrown out of economics O level before. I wasn't even <laughs> right. <laughs> so I got something like nine out of a hundred in my mock, and my an old Elias at uh, a skull John Bright just said. Tony Jones, I don't think it's any point in you taking economics. <laughs> and, um, so I, yeah, I, I, I tend to steer clear of the economic about, you know, and, and I do get people who who are campaigners for pub com- against a pub company saying, why why don't beer writers write about this, that and the other? But, you know, we all choose a specialisation in a sense as a beer writer. Mm. You know, I choose pubs, but I, I tend to write more about the social, the people, the, the 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 food the beer um the mood uh the ambiance um you know it's a bit it's like i don't write about marston's i mean unless someone paid me to obviously but i wouldn't be writing about marston's and and carlsberg last week because it's not an area i feel i have an expertise in um so so yeah i'm afraid i can't can't really answer that one about whether you think they've whether they think they've got um no that's that that's cool i mean i guess it's different for um different businesses and how they're set up really Mm, um you know like like you said like if you're self-employed you know it's it's easier to get hold of money than if you're like me a a director of a limited company i mean albeit my my limited company is a company of one it's me yeah but I can't get anything, and the, apart from "quote unquote" universal credit, and even then, I, I can't get it because it's like you know they take household income, and it's like, well, yeah. my wife earns, so it's you know, so you know, and we're getting by. But I know a lot of people in the hospitality industry are in that position where they've set up as a limited company, like micropubs or whatever, you know, yeah. where they, yeah. they're between a rock and a hard place, you know, yeah. um, and it's, it's really difficult for them. But I, I'm surprised, you know, if you've but I do know, yeah, I've know I know several beer writers have done what you've done. Um, my accountant never suggested it, thankfully. Um, mm. but, um, yeah, I. It is a difficult one. I mean, I'm sure we'll see a lot of people saying, oh, "I don't think it's worth it." But reopening again, um, I don't know anything about universal credit apart from the fact, apparently, it's a lab- labyrinthine and incredibly bureaucratic and awful. Um, that's, that's, it's it's not um yeah it's um, not great <laughs> having, years ago having been on the dole years ago what we used to call the old dhss i think it was dhss yeah um i remember the um yeah the bureaucracy but that was a long time ago and you just mm-hmm. had a mate years ago who hated the bureaucracy so much of being on the dole he actually came off it even without a job he thought i can't do yeah. this anymore uh and he went picking mushrooms and uh, or moss, that's it. He earned a living picking moss. <laughs> and so Mo- wow, that's that's a that's a job. Well, he did My it. Wife he, he took his tent into the wilds of mid Wales. I don't know. This is a long time ago in the eighties, and um, he's you know he works in soft you know computer writing now, technical writing. So he's he's all right. But yeah, he was a bit like that in those days. Yeah, I think he took his his you know his girlfriend, who then he married, you know, eventually married. And they went off in a tent near Dogethlai or something like that and picked moss. And I remember hearing about it. I was, you know, I'd left North Wales by then. And, he was, and I was thinking, you know, just shaking your head and thinking, he's always been a bit odd. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, evidently yeah, moss wasn't profitable doing. enough. <laughs> Go up in the Pennines and look for moss. I don't know if we sell it or anything. Um, 
<laughs> Amazing. I mean, you touched upon earlier just then about um, pubs turning to takeouts for yeah. food and beer. I, I even saw one uh, socially distanced queue outside of one of my locals, which prior to all this would have been several deep at the bar. Yeah. I mean, how, how sustainable do you think that is as a business model? It's not going to be very sustainable when the weather changes, is it? I suspect. No. Um, uh, it depends. I mean, I saw the same thing, people queuing. Um, I don't think many of the pubs around our way have done anything like that. Um, I know the sort of brew pubs have. Topsham and Stannery have done that. Um, sustainable, it, it probably isn't in the long run because you're not making the profit that you were doing before, maybe just to get by even. Um, yeah. But on the other hand, I, I felt that pubs as, and breweries as well have shown a remarkable say, entrepreneurial sense. And also they've been able to change their sort of operations. Flexibility, a great, like for instance, Lost and Grounded in Bristol. Mm. They have just been, you know, I, they have, kept going all the way through it and doing packaging you know uh and and you know cans and 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 now mini kegs i noticed and i'm i'm amazed and i'm pleased and i'm awed by the way some businesses have managed to sort of almost like it's a bit like yeah they've been flexible in the way they've managed to change their operations in a bit like you know there was in some countries some factories like the way breweries have started making hand sanitizer. Yeah, um, I mean that for me is really impressive. It's almost like you know in the Second World War, car factories all of a sudden started making machine parts for guns or whatever. You know, you can change something, and I, I'm really really impressed the way breweries have done that and the pubs that have done it as well. I mean, when I was doing my research for the you know, the beer gardens piece, quite a few pubs were saying, right, we're open this day and that and, you know, social distancing. Um, out here, one person who's been really, um, one brewery stroke, it's a brew pub in Exmouth, um, the Grapevine, and it's Crossed Anchors Brewery at the back of the pub. And Ollie, the, the owner and the brewer, he has been really proactive in the way he's been doing beer, beer in boxes. I mean, I've had a couple, and he's been delivering them around Exmouth and Totsham and Exeter. And he's now, I noticed the other day on Facebook, they've got, you know, they've opened the front door of the pub, and, um, you know, you can buy, in social distancing, you can buy beer from there. Um, so, yeah, but the weather has been incredible. If, the, if yeah. it had been a typical wet spring, I don't know how it would have spun out to be honest so but in the well, I, I kind of feel like with the weather it's been small mercies really hasn't yeah, it yeah. there's been a lot of that because um I, I keep thinking imagine if all this would have kicked off in like late september yeah early october yeah and we were going through the darkest coldest wettest months of the year yeah exactly yeah. like i i don't think people would have been anywhere near as resilient as they have been Particularly, like you know, if you like me and you got kids indoors yeah. and the climbing the walls and all the rest of it. Oh, correct. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is, you look also though. I saw a photograph the other day of a bar in, I think it was Vienna, or because um, they've opened them in Vienna now and they've in Austria mm. and they've opened them in um, Czech, Czech, Czech in the Czech Republic. Um, and so I think that could be um, a, a, a future 
you know, it isn't, you're not going to get, well, people say you never got rich with pubs anyway, but, um, or some did, but, um, you know, if you want your business, if you want your pub to, to, to continue and you enjoy it and you think it's a valuable part of the community, whatever part of the community you're in, then you will do whatever you can to, I think, um, keep it going. Um, I'm a sort of natural optimist. So I, I was just thinking, you know, yeah, obviously there are going to be some people who just think this is not worth it. I'll wait. Uh, but other people will think, you know, I want to, I want to get, you know, some people, you know, a lot of people who run pubs are pretty social and, you know, they might be thinking, I want people, I want to see people. Um, and so they'll do whatever they can to get their business up and running again. And mm. um, I'm sort of reminded by a tweet that I saw from oh, Andy Parker. Um, he was a, he wrote the home brewing book for camera. And he just said on Twitter something like, I'm not going to let this business that I worked so hard to build up in the last few years go down. Uh, it was along those lines. And I, I thought I've, that sort of remained in my head. And I think, you know, if you have that attitude, then you will overcome difficulties, hopefully. Yeah. I, I might be, you know, someone might say, oh, you're a bit naive here, but, oh, I don't know, but be naive. No, I think I think you're going to, you know, you're going to make it work. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you, you know, it's um, it's like that great quote from Back to the Future, you know, for Doc Brown, you know, if you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and and I, I think people do. I, I know I do with, with Hot Forward and my business and what mm-hmm. I do. I, you know, I want to make that work. Yeah. And with the brewery, although I say brewery, it's, it's only 100 litres these days, Emmanuel's, like, yeah. you know, it's that, it's kind of like the, what, all this has done and and seeing how um people have really taken to local breweries yeah you know i was thinking about resurrecting that anyway and i did a little event at christmas yeah but you know i'm thinking well you know i want to bring that back because it's like i don't want that to fail no and you know and i don't want to give it up and i was yeah. and i was really on the cusp of giving that up of thinking well you know maybe, maybe there's no room in this world for the jesus beer yeah you know um against your cloud waters and all the rest of it. And it's like, despite people both in Sheffield and beyond sort of sending me messages over social media, be like, when, when you're brewing next. Yeah. It's like, well, actually, yeah, you know, if you want to make something work, you, you make it work. Oh, gosh, yes, definitely. I mean, I've always felt that with my journalism, you know, I, want, I wanted to, be, I came in, I came back from, I, I, I sort of started off in publishing and I came back from, uh, I went abroad to Paris to be a, a, a rubbish poet, and um, <laughs> I uh, and, and and learned various editorial skills. And I came back, and I thought I, I used to be a musician in a band, you know. And I remember thinking, I don't want to do it anymore. I don't want to be some old bloke in a pub saying I could have been a contender. And so I, I thought, what's the next best thing I can do? I know I'll become a music journalist. So I had no experience, but I just badgered and badgered, and I ended up, you know, I ended up after several years on a staff job on a pop magazine and then I spent a year on a staff job at the NME as um you know deputy production editor but also doing reviews and stuff so and then it's the same with beer writing I thought I fancy a crack at this but I've been a trained you know I've been a journalist experienced one for a few years and um you can yeah. if you want to do something yeah all right I mean I've got no you know I've seen it in the past in I remember working I've worked in the past with neg- you know, people who are pretty negative and it just drives me around the bend yes there are you can't do everything, maybe, you know, but it's just, I really can't stand negativity. Um, I really yeah. can't stand it. Um, it's, it's, it's almost like someone, you know, you're in a vicinity of someone really negative. It's almost like you've got something and you don't want to catch it. And um, well, it's like toxic, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And I, I you know, 
I mean, not just in, in journalism, I've experienced it, but I just remember, you know, when I came out of college, um, I, um, I did the, I thought, well, I'm going to work with the workers. So I did labor in jobs for a year. I mean, all right, you know, you can, I mean, I'd a band as well, you see. So I thought, well, I don't want to go into a job where I can't, you know, we can't rehearse and do gigs and everything. So the best thing was to load lorries. And, but yeah, I remember like the guy who was acting foreman and he was such a misery. And then when he came off sick, I became, I was made acting foreman and I tried to be a bit more, you know, cheerful with everyone and listen. Mm. I mean, oh yeah. So anyway, that's my rant over. <laughs> <laughs> um, how, how do you think pubs and drinking culture will evolve over the coming years due to the coronavirus pandemic? Um, I, I don't know if you saw on social media, I don't know who it was. It might be in, oh, it was a London brewery. Um that put it out there um but it was like this little video of, of social distancing in in tap rooms where it's, it's got a, a a shot of someone at a bar pouring a beer into the glass mm. and then he sort of turns to uh he pans to the customer and the guy around the bar like literally f- chucks the beer at this guy and gets drenched um sort of jo- jokes aside on that kind of thing you know it, inventive ways of uh, dispensing beer like how do you how do you see right from let's say pubs open in July right right from the early days through to the next few years, well, uh, maybe think, five or ten years. Of, well, I mean, if I get if I get evolving, then maybe we'll just all be a bit happier. But I mean, maybe the days of crowding together. I mean, God, I remember going when I was nineteen, twenty. You you know, crowding into on a Friday night into a pub. When I came back from college, I go out with my mates on a Friday night in Llandudno, and there was this pub called the Steam Packet, which is now I think a wind. No, I don't know. I think it's a either a record, well, a DVD shop or a, a cheap book shop. You know, but the Steam Packet. And I remember you used to force your what you must have seen it force your way through people. Yeah, oh yeah. Bar. And it was the old thing about waving a fifty p note or. a what it be a pound note you know which is not a good thing to do i understand these days and i don't um so maybe what we'll do um yeah we will have that sort of distancing and it might it might kill the 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 atmosphere of a pub but on the other hand i like quiet pubs sometimes i like nothing better to go into a pub and sit in a corner with my book and just basically generally you know contemplating several glasses of uh, whatever beer i'm drinking um maybe mm. we'll do it's happened in certain pubs maybe there'll be like table you know they'll have taps to your table and you'll sit there and you'll just serve yourself you know you'll have to you'll have to i wouldn't be surprised if brew dog come up with it or something you know you you basically put your card in and um you you you'll get you know you can say oh i'll have another pint you know so you you don't have to go anywhere apart from going to the toilet. Maybe going to the the loo is going to be the hard one. Um, you know that is maybe that is going to be the more difficult one. Um, and you know this story about um, rationing initially rationing people to what's it two or three pints. To be honest, that's not a big issue for me. You know, I think after two pints of Imperial Stout, I'll be fine. So. Uh... <laughs> You know, um, yeah. If the if pursuit of happiness has some, as it often does, an imperial stout or two on, then yeah, a couple of pints of that, I'll be fine. I don't need to worry about that sort of thing. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it will be difficult, I think, for more isolated people. You know, older people maybe, and um, people who've seen the pub as their family. You know, and all right, we go back to Weatherspoons. You know, there are some of these pubs. 
the people that go in there, they go in there, A, because it's cheap food and cheap beer, B, because they, they, you know, if they're living on their own and, you know, they haven't got a job anymore, you know, they've retired and life's pretty rubbish, um, Weatherspoons to them is 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 family, can become family. Mm. And, you know, we can all go, oh, really? But, you know, I mean, it takes all sorts. And um, something I've often felt with, with, you know, this is a bit of a sidetrack with beer on Twitter is it, it almost represents just one segment of life in pubs, um, almost like yeah. a, a, a um, an elitist sort of view of life in pubs, you know. Oh, yes, we should all pay more money for the beer. Yeah, I, I think brewers should get a right price, but sometimes there are people who can't afford to pay more money for beer, um, you know. But that's a, that's a totally different well, no, I think that's a good topic to talk about, actually, um, because I I, t- I totally agree with that, and I think that it's it's very easy in the Twitter sphere mm. to get on your high horse about certain things and uh, and so on, but it's it's just an echo chamber, isn't it, of of a, a very very small vocal minority, yeah, saying the same things to each other, whereas you know you can go to pubs even around here in sheffield you know on the on the outskirts that are just traditional mm. or more traditional sort of um boozer type yeah. pubs yeah um but you know th- there's a real great sense of community there and mm. you know the, the the sort of um hardy yorkshiremen and women that go in you know drinking their pints of blonde or their carlin or whatever you know like yeah. they 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 live, eat, and breathe in that community. That's the community, yeah. But they're not—they're not all there on Twitter and untapped, being like, "Ooh, you know, I don't like this carling." Naught point five out of five, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've just to them, talking of Twitter, I mean, it's often you know, especially when you see something trending. What percentage of the of the population is on Twitter? And then when you say what percentage of the people that are on Twitter actually are active on it i mean it's like you do talk to i mean it's like if you thought if you last year if you looked at twitter you'd thought that um the labor party was going to romp through the election um as far as i know it didn't happen and i do feel sometimes twitter does i mean i'm on twitter and i'm quite you know regular on it I, i i don't get involved in in anything contentious but um you know it's it's like you do wonder twitter is is very um not everyone's on it. My mother's not on it, but then <laughs> she's not even not even smartphone. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, especially with beer, it skews it. You know, I mean, that's why people. I mean, I think brewers should get. You know, on the price front, I have no problem in paying. If if like a beer is really fantastic, I have no problem in paying seven eight quid a pint because I won't have a pint. I'll have a third of it. You know, um, uh, you know, you 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 can go to. A, a Mitchell and but say a Mitchell and Butler house, and you'll pay seven quid for a, a glass of wine. So you know if you you you've got a a beer which has been you know it's I don't know it's a pastry stout from Northern Monk or well heaven forbid uh, a, a a so called goozer with half a greengrocer's counters ingredients chucked in it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a big bugbear of mine because I've drank. Leipzig Goozer with the brewer at one of the breweries in Leipzig and he told me about it and I've always been fascinated by it and now you know it's bloody hard to get one which hasn't got 
half a pound of bananas in it or something. Um, this is kind yep. of bullion advice as well. I prefer a straight bullion advice, especially there's this cuckoo brewer in Berlin. I can't remember. I can't even say her brewery's name. It's about four E's altogether. Uh, <laughs> I know she's a reaper or something, but she makes um, a bullion advice with Brettanomyces in it, which apparently... Um, was quite common in the early part of the 20th century. So anyway, that's my digression. But yeah, I'm quite happy to pay for, um, you know, and I'm not going to say a beer made with passion because I never hear about plumbers saying I plumb with passion. Um, but a beer which, you know, you know is an intriguing and um, fabulous, it's going to make your mouth sing as if it's, I don't know, Caruso. Um yeah, it's, I'm quite happy to pay that, but I don't. I don't want anything taking the Mickey. I, I do remember this. Um, I mean, I really like the beers of Verdant. They're not cheap, but they're not. But I do remember one bar. Um, I'm not going to say where it is, but it probably know what it is. Uh, I went once about three years ago when it opened, and I asked for a. a there was a dipper from Verdant there, and I thought, oh yes, please. And uh, I sort of said, um, have a half, please. Because I thought, well, it's nine percent, and it's my first beer. Um, and um, the guy behind the bar knew him. He just goes, uh, "That'll be seven quid." And I went, uh, "What?" And it was like fourteen quid a pint. And I spoke to people in London. I spoke to Matt Curtis and Pete about it, Pete Brown, and they were saying, "No, that's that's taking the mickey. That really is." I mean, I'd expect to pay like eight quid for uh, a dipper from Verdon. Um, and one mm. thing, you know, we, a little digression, but still on pubs. You were talking about those boozers in, in Sheffield. One thing which might um, uh, keep people like that from going to the pub will be the fact a lot of pubs, and possibly the majority of pubs, are going to be card rather than cash. And a lot of people, yep. still this sizable minority of people who don't use cards. So that's almost like going to penalise them. That's almost going to... So give them the the red card from the pub. So there is going to be that. Well, you know, uh, who really? I haven't handled money. Sounds peculiar. I haven't handled money for about two and a half months. You know, I uh, well, you say it sounds peculiar. I, I had to drop my car for the garage this morning, and I took my wallet with me, and I opened the little zip, and I was like, "Wow, there's cash in there." Yeah. And I thought I've not paid anything with cash for weeks i have you know uh, the only thing i buy with cash now is bread from the local bakery because they don't have a card machine really gosh uh, yeah you know ev ev everywhere else around here insists that it's card but they ain't got a machine but you know it's yeah. it's yeah well the, and the, the garage insists you pay over the phone so you don't touch the card machine you know yeah, yeah. and it's i guess you know it's I, I was saying to my wife last night, I wonder what the impact will be long term on people's mental health and what this will have done to how people think and act, you know, in terms of like, you know, you give people a wide berth because of social distancing, yeah. two minutes apart and all the rest of it. You know, the, the minute the pub's open, if we think that everyone's going to kind of flock in and be like, give me 10 pints of whiskey, <laughs> you know, um, that it, it ain't going to happen because pe people be too... Well, it's all, all those little nuances you forget, like you said, going to the loo. Well, I'd, until you brought it up, I'd not even thought about that. But going to the loo, you know, a public toilet, whoa, you know, yeah. there could be coronavirus everywhere. But, Don't panic. Yeah. But then on the other hand, you know, do you want to sort of live your life in a prison? Uh, well, that's it. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think the people who don't want to go out, who want to keep the, the, you know, there are people with mental health issues, you know, anxieties who 
and rightly so, you know, they will want to, until they know, it's, it's a bit like this thing about, until they know that they can't catch coronavirus, then they will probably, you know, rightly so, will not go anywhere. Um, hmm. But then, you know, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, yeah, I just don't know. I mean, it's, I mean, the, the, you know, going back to the, the idea of the pubs, yeah, they, it will probably be a very strange landscape um, for the next year or so. But then pubs have survived all sorts of things throughout the last few centuries. I mean, you know, God, I mean, how did the, the inns and taverns survive when, you know, the roundheads and the cavaliers were knocking each other about, you know, it's like, did they, did they sort of put signs up and say, no cavaliers served here or, you know, no, 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 no members of the new model army served here. And, and then, you know, you think about the Jacobites, you know, when they got Fars Derby in, what was it? 1745, you know, did they sort of put signs, you know, did the, Oh gosh, this is a Scotsman again. Um, you know, pubs have survived. They survived the First World War. They survived the Second World War. They survived television. Um, yeah, the numbers are going down. But you know, I sometimes think, and this is, you know, I might get criticised for this, but I think I'd rather have a smaller but healthier um, uh, sort of family of pubs and bars and inns and licensed premises than, you know, I think sometimes on a I think some pubs, not not in the past, when people say about certain pubs, you know, I mean, it's like people have this romance. Some people have had this romance about rough pubs. I've never liked a rough pub. You know, have you ever mm. felt about going into a pub and you think, you know what? I think my I might end up coming out of here with a black eye. I mean, no one, you don't go into a delicatessen thinking someone's going to beat you up, do you? I mean, <laughs> you don't, you know, I'd like some of that foreign cheese. Are you want some of that foreign cheese, mate? <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you some of that foreign cheese. You just lock my, lock my olives over, mate. You know, you don't get that. I mean, yeah, if people want to have sort of their own fight clubs, let them be. Everyone goes, he finds their own way to the devil in the end. But, um, like there's a pub here in Exeter, uh, which I've often thought when I've had a few, is in a sense of exploration. I should go in, but then someone said to me, "No, don't bother." You know, a local said, um, you, "If you go in there and you ask for a, a pint of whatever lager, you're just as likely to get a pint of cider." And when you complain, the bloke's like, "Well, drink it all," and no one else is complaining. And I've I've walked past it, and it's like these are the people that get banned from you know, Weatherspoons, um, and they get, you know, so I don't want to do that, but then do I want it closed? It's not my job. You know, it's not my role to say what should close and what should open. But as I say, there will be, um, I mean, I don't know if it will be, I mean, it sounds really harsh to say it might be Darwinian in a way, you know, the, 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 the successful ones will thrive, the healthier ones, the ones that want mm. something that people want to spend their money on. Um, you know, if you're if, if if you're offering social distancing, a good sort of drink or food offering, uh, uh, pleasing ambiance, whether it's like historical or whether it's you know a feel of, I mean, some people I've seen some people say on Twitter, well, I'm not going to a pub if I can't social distance. Well, mate, stay at home. I don't care. Um, I like going to a pub. 
Um, whether, you know, I like, as I say, I like hanging out with people, with friends, whatever, and, or just having chance conversations. Um, and, you know, you, or I listen to people. I mean, that's one of the things I've always done with my pub reviews. I listen to people and you pick up some fantastic mm. little, you know, lines and little, mind you, I wasn't going to pick up the one. I wasn't going to, years ago, I remember this pub near Bridgewater in Somerset. I used to live out that way. It was like, so, you know, it was what I overheard someone saying, yeah, well, I hit him again because I don't like coppers. And I thought, right, no, I'm, I think I'm leaving now. <laughs> These pubs you're describing, I don't know if you remember Hale and Pace, but it um, sounds like them two hard men in the pub. Oh, yeah. What are you looking at? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Spating words. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I've never felt that sort of, um, what's it, nostalgia de la boue, you know, the wallowing in mud sort of thing about rough pubs. I mean, I've been into rough bars in Europe, you know, where you think, Flipping out. Are they just handing drugs to each other over there? <laughs> <laughs> um, just a couple of questions to, to round up then. Um, who, who are some of the breweries you've been most impressed with over the last nine weeks since the whole lockdown thing started? Not just by the beer, but the way they've either conducted themselves or marketed themselves online and, and stood out from all the well, others. Lost and Grounded, obviously, they've, you know, they've been making, they make great beers anyway, but their use of... Keller Pills is just fantastic, oh, isn't gorgeous, it? Gorgeous, yeah. Um, uh, but they, the way they use social media has been really um, impressive. And yeah, I've been really impressed by them. Um, locally, I've really, and I think a lot of people, really been impressed by Utopia Brewery. Yeah, uh, for sure. They, I, I actually know that I... I I went, I knew them, I've known them for about over a year now, and I, I drink with them. Because they're fairly new, aren't they? Yeah, they started in March last year, and their head brewer, right. Jeremy, comes from Camden, and he actually did right. his trade at a German brewery outside Dusseldorf, which I actually visited, actually, not when he was there, 2006, called Bolten. And so Jeremy is a consummate brewer. And um, right, that'll explain why their lagers are so good. Oh yeah, yeah. He's I mean, funny enough. He doesn't live far from me, so I sort of occasionally bump into him. We're walking each other's dogs, and you know we we and and you know they they were they were also contract. Uh, I don't know if that's the right word. Brewing, doing some Yeasty Boys beers. So yeah. I had a very enjoyable evening at the Hot Pursuit of Hoppiness several months back with um, Stu McKinley from the Yeasties. I've known for a few years, and Richard and. Um, and, and Jeremy uh, at the pursuit. It was a great night, and so we're looking forward to that again. So Utopian, I've really been impressed with them. Um, I've really been impressed. I don't. I mean, they seem to be again Duration Brewery um, in yep. Norfolk. There, I've been buying their Doses beer, D O S E S, which, funny enough, is my beer of the week in the Daily Star tomorrow. Um, really been impressed with their beers. I've and and they again another good social media thing they've been doing and they you know they're sending their beers out. Um, I've also this is I've also been enjoying and I don't know what they've been doing in Belgium, but I've been enjoying lots of Vesmala Triple, buying lots of bottles of it from um, Chris right. and Craft in Exeter, and also I had quite a few. Well, he still had some quite a few Orvals. Um, I've been impressed with yeah what Ollie's been doing at the Grapevine Crossed Anchors. Um, and gosh, so many, so many beers, you know, I've been enjoying just buying it from Tesco. I've been enjoying, um, the surreal stout from magic rock. And of course, everyone's favorite Jaipur. Um, Oh, I think I've been, I think I've been keeping Thornbridge afloat with it. 
Um, <laughs> Do you know, I because I, I, I live just around the corner from the Hallamshire House, oh, yeah. uh, which is one of their pubs. And it's it's just uh, uh, you know I, I, it breaks my heart that it's not open. Yeah. You know, going in for a pint of Jaipur or or when they had St Petersburg on, Ooh, like yeah. I mean that that beer went away for a while, and I was so sad. And then when it came back, I, I for months I couldn't find it on cask anywhere. It was like you know it was like unicorn shit. I just couldn't find it. And then one one day I heard they had it. So it's, I, I, it's rare that I literally leave the house there and then just to go and yeah. have a beer. But I was like, right, I'm I'm going to the pub right now to have that beer. And I took my book and, and just sat down and had a couple of bites of it. Lovely. And um, it was just uh, you know, I, yeah. I had at the Bath Hotel when I was in Sheffield in March. Mm. You know the Bath Hotel. Yeah. Oh, I love the bath hotel. That dog. What's he called? Rocky or R- Ricky or something? You know, there's a guy who has a dog with him, a black dog, which um, has a little scarf around its neck, and it's oh, it's a lovely dog. I wrote about it when I reviewed the 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 bath hotel last year for the Telegraph. Um, but yeah, I had St Petersburg when Pete and I were in there in early March. I, you know, the funniest place I've had St Petersburg though has been in a craft beer bar in Malaga about six years ago. Uh, really? Yeah, it was cheaper as well than it was in Britain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yes so um well last question then um for for the brewers and and uh pubs and bars and bottle shop owners um that list of this podcast what what advice would you give to them not not just to survive this current storm but to to thrive from it and build a, a beer business that stands the test of time maybe maybe don't lose touch with how you felt when you try to keep your business going during the lockdown you know, it's hmm. we're not going back to normal. Um, you know, no matter how many people, you know, seem to think we are, I don't think we're going back to a normal life. And, you know, as I said earlier on, I said I've seen it as a time to reset. Um, and, you know, maybe, you know, take any lessons you've learned with you um, and don't give up if you don't want to give up. Um, it's easy for me to say that, but, you know, there are so many times in our lives that we feel, oh, God, I can't be bothered with this anymore. But if you want to do something, you know, do it. Um, and um, just just look forward to that day when you can welcome your customers back in and give them a good old smile. And um, if you want to, obviously. Um, if you've got bad food, don't bother. <laughs> uh and you know customers are your maybe you remember that customers are your 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 currency um your your lifeblood and um yeah as i say take any lessons you've learned um and keep smiling <laughs> amazing great well thanks for being on the show today adrian That's all right no problem how can people find out more about your work and, and oh, about you? Well, you can go because you mentioned a blog earlier, didn't you? Yeah, I'm gonna, I, 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 I brought it back to life. It's called um, Maltworms or called yeah Maltworms um, I hadn't written much on it for the last two or three years because basically I'm busy writing all the time. But during mm. the the lockdown, I brought it back to life. Um, the last two weeks, I haven't done anything on it because I've just been too busy with this project. But I'm hoping. I'm. I'm my plan was to do three blogs a week, um, a sort of general um, thought piece almost on a Monday, uh, my sort of Wednesday beer, but not in the way. I like to do my beer, beer of the week for the star. This would be almost like I would go off, I would pick a beer, but then I would try and go off on a tangent and think about something else. Mm. And, and then a, a travel story on a, on a Friday. You can, you know, you can, you can just Google my name, 
I put beer alongside it and find various things online, you know, Telegraph, um, Sunday Times Travel Magazine, uh, Beer Magazine. Um, ugh, uh, I can't remember. I, 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 I write for quite a lot of people or have done over the years. Um, oh, yeah, Good Beer Hunting. I was really, yeah, and Pellicle as well. Um, Matt Curtis's and Johnny Hamilton's excellent, excellent um, online uh, publication and Good Beer Hunting, which is also excellent. Um, yeah, you can find my Adnams profile, which is on Good Beer Hunting, which I was really pleased with. And I worked with a great editor, Claire Bullen, who's a fantastic writer. And I've got about three different pieces on Pellicle. And Matt, Matt Curtis is a great editor as well. So, yeah, and Imbibe, website, I've got stuff on there. So, yeah, there's plenty of stuff online. If you want to, amazing. And buy my books as well. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, <laughs> Bill. Well, thanks for being on the show. That's all right. Cheers. Today's episode of the Hop Ford Podcast was proudly sponsored by TEP Machinery Movement. TEP Machinery's fleet of lifting equipment, forklifts, and vehicles, coupled with their highly experienced team and extensive knowledge gained over 40 years, means they can support you with all your equipment installation, removal and movement requirements, as well as providing support for your ongoing maintenance and repair access needs. Ensure your equipment is placed in the right location first time, every time. Give TEP Machinery Movement a call today on 01937 558 203. That's 01937 558 203. Thanks for tuning in to the Hot Four podcast this week. Don't forget, we're here to help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business. So hit the subscribe button for more insights into the beer industry. Connect with us at hotforward.beer or through our social media channels at Hot Forward Beers. Until next time, cheers. Hey,